Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Join me in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to uh, discuss further the importance of building a stronghold of the Word. In our previous sessions, we've talked about uh, God being our stronghold. We saw from Nahum 1.7 that the Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. We found that God is not changing. He is not uh, unstable. He, there is no variableness in Him or shadow of turning. But God is established and His Word is established and He has provided us His Word so that we can bring His Word into our life and establish our lives upon His Word causing us to have the stability that God designed for us. And so as we look here at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I want to see other strongholds. And we're going to make that uh, contrast between the strongholds that the enemy would try to establish in our life and how he attempts to establish those strongholds and then recognize that those same methods are how God designed for us to establish a stronghold of health a stronghold of prosperity, a stronghold of the peace of God, a stronghold of our righteousness. All of those godly strongholds are necessary and they are God's plan for our lives. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal so here we've already seen that there is a distinction between the natural the carnal or the flesh and what we're about to see which is spiritual the weapons of our warfare though we could say this they are not carnal we could say they are spiritual If they're not carnal, what are they? They're spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're spiritual, and they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And so casting down imaginations and casting down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we see three operations of these spiritual weapons that we've been provided. We see a pulling down, we see a casting down, and we see a bringing into captivity. These are the operations of the spiritual weaponry that God has provided for us, casting down, Pulling down, casting down, bringing into captivity. Amen? Pulling down, casting down, bringing into captivity. And they are working in areas that we would call mental or in the mind. We see uh, imaginations. We know imaginations are things that take place in the mind. Imaginations and things that exalt against the knowledge of God, that would be knowledges or, or, or ideas or plans or um, uh, thought patterns that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. We see it says bringing into captivity every thought. Well, we know then thoughts are in the mind. So these spiritual weapons are meant to operate in the defense of the mind. 
in the defense of wrong things being built in our mind. And when we look at the different categories, we see there are three categories and they are listed from strongest to weakest. It says the strongholds. A stronghold is something that is established and it's established over time. It is not something that just came into your mind yesterday, but it's something, it's a thought pattern that has been practiced and practiced and practiced until it becomes entrenched in that person's way of thinking. We looked this morning at God being a stronghold for us and wanting to develop His Word in our life as a stronghold in those specific areas. And now we see that the enemy also would desire to establish wrong things in our life that not just one wrong idea, but wrong ideas that have been practiced and become entrenched in the life of a person until they are in bondage to that thought or limited by that thought or hindered by that thought. Until that thought becomes an obstacle in their walk with God. In their ability to fulfill completely what God wants. And so this stronghold being the, the highest level or strongest form of a thought. We would take the next step down then and see that imaginations are a step down from that. Imaginations have details with them. They have a plan with them. You can see something playing out in your mind. I, I like to refer to it as that video that plays in the mind. Have you ever had a, something that you were worried about and you worried it all the way out to the end of it, to the worst possible scenario, right? And so that's an imagination. It came complete with details and video for you to play in your mind, right? You know, that for that person who is up at night and their, their teenager hasn't come home yet and they are up and they're worried and they are uh, saying that, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What if they're out? What if they've wrecked the car? What if they've gotten arrested? And they are going through all of these imaginations, right? And so imaginations being that second level, not as weak as a thought, but not as strong as that stronghold that has been built. And then it brings us then to the thought, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So if I capture that thought at thought level, it does not become an imagination. And if I keep it from becoming an imagination and I keep it from having any activity in my mind, I can prohibit it from having a stronghold in me, right? We see that these are, are uh, levels and they are parts of the process. So if the enemy wants to get somebody off track, he can't get in their spirit. He can't get into their heart because there's no duplex in your heart. You are wall to wall filled with the life of God, right? So what does he have to do? He has to get into that thinking. He has to get into the mind and he has to do it with a thought. And so the word devil is not a name. The word devil is not a name. If you investigate the, that word, it is a description of how he operates. Diabolos. It is a two-part word and, and one of the parts of that word, it means to continue to hit against something, to hit, to hit, to hit, to hit, to constantly just barrage and hit that mind and hit that mind with that wrong thought. And the second part of the word means to pierce. So the enemy, how he operates is to come against the mind consistently, ballos, to hit like you're throwing a ball against the, that uh, wall. He, he's throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing, hitting that, you with that thought for the intention of piercing to get the thought into the mind. So devil is not his name. It's his method of operation. Amen. Now, we're looking at this just to recognize how the process works 
Because the devil did not create the process. The devil did not come up with the idea of getting the thought in the mind and then establishing that person on that thought. That was God. God did that from the beginning. He said from the beginning, hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and to do all these. Why? He said, if you'll listen to my word, if you'll continue in my word, if you'll abide in my word, if, you'll, if you will, uh, uh, this book of the law, he said in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein. So he wants it in your mouth, and if he gets it in your mouth, where is it? It's in your mind. If I'm talking it, I have to think about what I'm saying. So the way for me to govern the mind is to have God's word in my mouth. So God originated this. He even says it in Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He said, uh, I'll just go ahead and read the whole text. Turn over there with me. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. How do I... This, these are walking, standing, sitting. These are activities. These are actions for my life. How do I refrain from these actions? How do I keep myself from wrong actions? Our delight is in the law of the Lord. And the word law means teaching instrument. We would say today in the word of God. My delight is in the teachings, the word of the Lord. And in his word I meditate day and night. Again, this word meditate has a definition that includes the saying. It means to mutter. To mutter, so you're saying it to yourself, but you're vocalizing it nonetheless. You are employing your mouth to govern your thoughts. You are using your mouth, your, your voice-activated spiritual authorization to cause your mind to think about what God said. Amen? So he said that we delight in the Word and we meditate in the Word day and night. And because of that, we are like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in our season. Our leaves shall not wither and whatever we do shall prosper. Hallelujah. Whatever we do shall prosper. How can it be that whatever we do prospers because we are feeding on the correct thing. And we, that means we've got the right strongholds in our mind. We've got godly strongholds. We've got godly uh, established principles and established truths. And if you know the truth, you won't be deceived. If you know the truth, if you know the truth, you'll recognize counterfeit. When they take bank tellers and prepare them to be able to discern the difference between a real $100 bill and a counterfeit, they don't bring a lot of counterfeits and make them study the counterfeits. They bring the real, and they want them to feel it. They want them to see it. They want them to be so, so familiar with, so intimate with the real $100 bill. I, we need to be intimate with some $100 bills, right? We need to be, I know what, the, I know what a $100 bill feels like right here in my pocket. But they become so, so aware of the real that if a, if a, counterfeit comes into their hand, their hand knows it. Their hand can say, that doesn't feel like the real $100 bill. Let me look closer. And then they begin to look at it and they say, that doesn't look like a real $100 bill. And then they're looking for the details of what should be in the real. And God wants us so strongly established in truth that deceit is, is automatically recognized. When the enemy tries to bring something counterfeit, when he tries to bring a wind of doctrine that is not an established truth, 
when he tries to bring uh, uh, something and, and call it the moving of the Spirit, that we're recognized, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like the real. That doesn't feel like the real. That doesn't have the same quality that the truth has. Amen? So this establishing on the Word of God, this meditating in the Word or receiving God's Word at thought level and imagining it, Till the point that it becomes a stronghold in our life, that was God's original plan and the enemy has just used it in the negative direction. And how has he done that? By presenting his thoughts instead of God's thoughts. If he gets someone focused on the wrong thoughts and meditating on the wrong thoughts and accepting the wrong thoughts, then he can get them to act out in that direction. What does it say here? That we're not walking incorrectly, we're not standing incorrectly, we're not sitting incorrectly. And why aren't we having those incorrect actions? It's because we've been feeding on the right thing which leads us in the right actions and behaviors for our life. Amen? Go ahead and let's look at Joshua 1 because... Uh, it has a similar result, and I think we need to, to see that it's not all up to God. It's, it depends on what we're feeding, how we're working the system He's provided for us. Joshua 1, 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Out of your mouth, because if it's in your mouth, your mind is focused on it. And you are authorizing it in your life. The word shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate. And again, that word includes a definition. It, it means to imagine. It means to ponder. It means to think about. But it also means to mutter, to, to speak it to yourself. So you will meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Does that have to do with our behavior? To do what's written therein. In other words, if I've got it as my focus and I am feeding on the thoughts that come from God's Word, then I'm going to be acting in that direction. My behavior will be motivated by that which I'm feeding on. This truth of God's word. And it says that then you will make your way prosperous. Do you see then it's not God making our way prosperous. It is because it's his word that's really the motivation behind the pros prospering of our lives. It's really his word because we've been feeding on his word. But he said that, that walking out of it's going to be because in our life. We will make our way prosperous. Why? Because we're seeing everything in truth. We're seeing light. And we're going to live out that light. And we will avoid the darkness and avoid the wrong behaviors and avoid the things that will become a pitfall because we are feeding on the right thing. We are taking God's thoughts and establishing our imaginings our imaginations, and establishing the strongholds that become for us a protection. The strongholds of the enemy are places of, of slavery. They are places of bondage. Addiction is a stronghold. Phobias are strongholds. Fear of rejection, fear of heights, fear of whatever. Those are, those are thoughts that have been practiced and imagined until they gain an entrenchment. They hold a place, they hold territory in your life. Amen? And so those are the enemy's strongholds that he desires, but the weapons of our warfare can pull them all down. And that means that we don't have to be victim to any addiction. We don't have to be victim to any phobias. We don't have to be victim to uh, prejudice or racism or we don't have to be uh, victim to any of those wrong thoughts. We can pull all those wrong strongholds down in our life and we can take God's word and establish his truth as a refuge for us. 
It won't be a bondage to us. For us, it'll be a refuge. And God will be the one who holds territory in our life. God's flag will be flying from your castle. Amen? And he is the Prince of Peace. And so he said, you will make your way prosperous. And you will have good success. Hallelujah. Why? Because you've meditated and you have fed on and you have focused on the thoughts of God and allowed the thoughts of God to be the established focus of your life. Proverbs 4 identifies the same concept. Proverbs chapter 4 is one that I am continually uh, taken back to. It's, it's, it's an, uh, such a standard for our lives that it cannot be overlooked and, and us experience the blessing and the favor and the victory that God has. We, we can't overlook Proverbs 4 and really walk out the fullness of God's plan. He says in verse 20, My son, attend to my words. Attend. How do I attend to the word of God? He wants you to know specifically what kind of attention to give to his word. He said, incline your ear unto my sayings. Well, if you do that, what's going to happen? Faith will come. Faith comes by hearing. He said, incline thine ear unto my sayings. And then he says, in addition to that, let them not depart from your eyes. So for you to hear it, you can hear it preached like you're hearing it preached today, or you can speak it to yourself, which is just as vital for our life. Amen? And he said that's going to cause the hearing of it, and don't let it depart from your eyes. It needs to be something that we're looking at. It needs to be something that we are putting in and not just reading, but, but focusing. Focusing and seeing it and allowing it because that's how we're going to get it in the heart. He said, keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So the objective is to get the word in the heart. To, to allow the ear gate and the eye gate. That's how the Dakes, uh, uh, God's plan for man. He always in, included the ear gate and the eye gate. That's the gate to the heart. So for us to get it into the heart, which is where it will produce faith and the spiritual strength and nutrition that we need, we've got to give our attention, inclining our ear, not letting it depart from our eyes so that we have an abundance of the word in the heart. And when we have the word in the heart, we have a treasure. He referred to our treasure in Matthew chapter 12. He said, out of the good treasure of the heart, you can bring out good things. Amen? If you don't have it treasured in the heart, how are you going to bring out anything good? If, if a person is treasuring up the problem and they're storing up the problem, and they've got the problem in their eyes, and they've got the problem in their ears, and they're talking the problem, and they're thinking the problem, and they're meditating the problem, then all they're going to be able to withdraw from the heart is problem. But he said that we can take his word, his supernatural supply of creative power, and we can put his word in our heart. And when we have his word in our heart, we've got a good treasure to access. We can bring out health if we need health because we've stored some health. We've been putting 1 Peter 2.24 in the heart. We have a treasure of 1 Peter 2.24. We have a treasure of Matthew 8.17. We have a treasure of Isaiah uh, in our heart so that we can pull out the treasure of God's Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the desire of God that we have a supply, a stronghold a treasure for us to be able to access in time of need. And so whether it be peace or healing or, or financial stability, whatever the need may be, there's a seed for you to put in the heart so that you can withdraw. Amen? Amen? And out of the good treasure, hallelujah, we can bring forth good things. Out of the stronghold of the word, we can bring forth a supply. 
Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? And so that doesn't leave you victim to wait on somebody else to do it. God says, just get in the Word and store it up. Just store it up. Just store it up. Hallelujah. That's the supply and that's the plan. Glory to God. Glory to God. So as we recognize this uh, design that God has for us, that gives us homework. That gives us a direction in the Word every day. Now, we're not just getting in the Word to, to uh, clock time. Like, okay, God, I gave you 15 minutes today. I clocked in and I clocked out, and you can just look at the time clock and see I was there. You know, we're not just trying to get in and, 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 and get time, but we're there because we are preparing, building our house. Like we saw this morning, Jesus said, the man who hears my sayings and does my sayings is a man who's building his house. And he's building his house by digging deep and laying his life upon the foundation of truth, upon the stronghold of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 6, and we're still recognizing a contrast of how we can build a stronghold a correct stronghold of the word, a stronghold of health, a stronghold of peace, a stronghold of, of whatever it is. Uh, righteousness, I think, is one of the most important strongholds because if we have that in place, it allows us an, uh, access to many other areas. But when we see uh, in Mark or Matthew, did I say Mark? Matthew 6. I turned to Mark. I want you in Matthew 6. When we see in Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching and, and warning them about the wrong stronghold. Again, he says here in Matthew 6, I want to look uh, first at verse 25. He said, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. And the Amplified helps us identify what kind of thoughts he's uh, identif- referring to. He said, take no anxious thought for your life. Take no anxious, worried, fretful thought for your life. And so this is a trick that Jesus has dealt with before because when he was teaching about the parable of the sower, he said that worry is a thorn that chokes out the word. He said the cares of this life in the King James. The cares of this life choke out the word. So he's telling us now that we've got to guard against this worry and this is how we do it, by refusing certain thoughts. He said take no thought for your life. Don't take that thought. You are the one authorized to accept it or refuse it. There are thoughts that you are not supposed to accept. And as we become more uh, aware of who we are in Christ and what belongs to us as believers, we recognize that we are not authorized, not any day of the week are we authorized to carry care. And if we get, if we get patted down, if God does a search and He walks in and says, we're going to do a search today and find out is there any care in your heart, you don't want to be caught with contraband. You don't want to be caught with care. And so you better just go ahead and cast it when you recognize that you've accepted it into your life. Don't take it. But if you have taken it, go ahead and cast it out. Get rid of that care. But he said there are thoughts you are authorized to resist. Take no thought for your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, yet for your body, what you will put on... And then he redirects the attention to an example. Look at the fowls of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, and they still have an abundant supply. Look at that instead. Think about supply. Don't look at what you are going to need. Look at how I supply. Do you see? He is redirecting their thought process. And then he uses the example of the lilies of the field. And I like this. This is one of my favorite examples because that means new wardrobe every season. (laughs) Hey! That's what I'm talking about. Springtime's coming. I'm going to need a new wardrobe this spring. He said, look at how God provides 
and cares for the lilies, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these, and aren't you much better than they? Amen? And so he redirects their thought. He tells them there are thoughts they should not take, that they should resist those thoughts. And then as a response to the wrong thought that was presented, I need to put my mind on the right thing. That's my job. That's your job. We are responsible to uh, police the thoughts that we're allowing in our heart and in our mind. Because if it gets in my mind, it's going to, if, if, how did he say, if I can get you to meditate on it and then I get you to speak it, what's going to happen? You're going to walk in line with it. You're going to live it out and you'll prosper if it's God's word that you are thinking about and speaking. If it's God's word, you'll prosper. But if it's not, if it's not God's word that's in your mind and in your mouth, and you're thinking about something that came from the adversary, something that came from the world system, something that came that doesn't, it's not based on truth, it's not based on light, it's based on fear, or it's based on worry, or it's based on lack, or it's based on, on hate, or whatever. If it's not God's word, and it's getting into this, this engine that's designed to make you overcome, the engine of God being the heart of man, is designed for you to feed on the Word and live the victory of the Word. But if we feed and we put the wrong ingredient in our faith engine, our Word of God engine, it's like putting diesel in a gasoline engine. It's going to tear it up. You're going to get the wrong response, right? He said, don't take those thoughts. Don't take them. And then notice what he said in verse 31. Therefore, take no thought saying. Oh, he just told us how we take it. This is how you own thoughts. This is how you bring thoughts into your possession and you make them yours. Now it's no longer the enemy's thought that he's presenting, but now you have accepted it as yours because you have said, what am I going to do? How am I going to make it? What, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where am I? Those are our questions. Those are questions that breed fear. Questions that breed doubt. He said, don't take them with your verbal authorization. Don't take them by saying. Well, what did he tell us we need to be saying? He said, meditate. Don't let the word depart from your mouth. So we are supposed to have the word of God in our mouth. And when we do, we're owning it. We're bringing it in our possession. Now, 1 Peter 2.24, you might have a 1 Peter 2.24 in your heart, but I've got one that's mine. Uh, 1 Peter, I have 1 Peter 2.24 and it's mine. Oh, you have one too? You have 1 Peter 2.24 in your heart too? Then we both have one, but mine is mine. And it's feeding me. It's feeding my body. It's dispersing health to my organs. Amen? Why? Because I have brought it into possession in my life. And now it is, I have taken 1 Peter 2, 24, which is a thought of God, and I've made it mine. Amen? How did I do it? I spoke it. I spoke it. I, I brought it into my possession by not speaking and telling somebody else about it. I'll do that too. But for me to make it mine, I opened my mouth and I said, 1 Peter 2.24 governs my body. My body is called into the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's got to perform the way I need it to perform so that I can do all that God's called me to do. So I take 1 Peter 2.24. So the book of Proverbs says the power of death and life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And in the original language, the word power is the word hand. Death and life are in the hand of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the hand. What are you taking with your hand? Your spiritual hand. This is how you take 1 Peter 2.24 into possession in your life. This is how you own it. This is how you possess it. This is how you hold it in your life. If it's in your mouth, it's in your possession. 
if it's not in your mouth, if it's escaped from your mouth, you might not have a good grip on it. And is it possible to lose your grip on spiritual things? Well, he said in Hebrews, he said, we must give more earnest heed. Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, to the things earnest heed to things we've heard. Well, we've heard it. We've heard it. But he said, you've got to go back and give attention to it because having heard isn't faith. You've used the faith that came from having heard. Faith comes by hearing. He said, we've got to give more earnest heed, lest at any time we let them slide away from us, slip. So do you see why Proverbs 4 is so vital? Attend, attend, attend to my words. Attend to my words. Attend. Attend. Why? Because the enemy's trying to use circumstances and situations and, and difficulties to make you let go of what you once knew. Did, did John the Baptist say that the one who sent him to baptize in water told him, when you see the Spirit of God descend and remain on, on a certain person, you'll know he's the one. You'll know he's the Christ, the Messiah. Did, did John the Baptist testify and say, the one who sent me told me, upon whom I see the Spirit of God descend. And he said, today I publicly declare Jesus is the one that the Spirit of God... He, he openly, publicly testified that Jesus was the one upon whom the Spirit of God descended and remained upon him. But we see him a few chapters later sending his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one? Oh, help me! Help me! God told him specifically. He had revelation that came from God. He saw in the Spirit, the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus. It was a supernatural revealing to him. And he lost it because of offense. Remember, Jesus responded to him and said, Go tell John, the blind see." The poor having the gospel preached to them. The lame are walking. Tell him that the works of the Christ are being done in this ministry. And also tell him, blessed is he who is not offended in me. So in that offense, he lost what he once knew. And that's why God says that we've got to give the more earnest heed because the enemy will try to bring situations and circumstances and difficulties and adversities to make us Lose what we once saw. We don't have to lose any of it though. We don't have to lose any light. We don't have to let circumstances change our belief structure. The word of God can be such a stronghold in our life that no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what the enemy may bring, we shall not be moved. We shall not be moved. That's possible. That's what he said, the tree planted by the river of living water is a, is a person who is not moved by outward circumstances. No matter how hot it is, they still have water for their leaf system. No matter how difficult it is, they have a root system in the word of God. I shall not be moved. I am the tree planted by the river of water. And that means I've got my roots in the word. Amen. So he says here that we are uh, to refuse thoughts and then we are to redirect our thoughts to the provision of God or to the promise of God and that we should identify that if I verbalize it, I'm authorizing it. If I say it, and I, 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 I again want to encourage us, it's not just about a positive confession. This is not just about, oh, i got to say the right thing, and this is so hard to say the right thing. No, my words have power. I believe that the things which I speak, will, that I will have what I say. I believe that. Do you believe you will have what you say? You can't work Mark eleven twenty three 23 if you don't. 
He said, you have to believe that you have what you say. And if you believe you have what you say, you won't say things you don't want to be in your life. (laughs) You are recognizing that I can authorize it or I can resist it. I can authorize it with my mouth. I can take possession of it. I can, I can bring it into my possession with my mouth. I, my mouth is like a hand that reaches and takes into my life or receives into my life these truths of God. So do you remember how in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Deuteronomy chapter 30 Do you remember how God used this phrase in verse 19? I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I recall heaven and earth to record or to record what he had said was the blessing and the cursing. What he had said was specific instruction for obeying his word. And and then he said... I'm calling heaven and earth to record what I've said so that you will be able, you will know God told us what to do and heaven and earth will testify because it's on record what God said. It's on record. Do you know that the things you and I say is on record? It's on record what we say. Our words... are recorded. I mean, you just think Alexa hears you. God's got your words on record. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And this is for our good if we have a stronghold of the word. Amen? Matthew 12, verse 36. And I will ask for this in the Amplified. He said, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they will give account thereof in the day of judgment. Ooh, every idle word. The Amplified says every idle, inoperative, non-working word. Every idle, inoperative, non-working word. And then he says, for by your words you shall be justified, deemed right. By your words you'll be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Well, this isn't necessarily talking about the believer speaking negative things and being condemned to hell. It's saying you will be proven wrong If you stand before God and say, God, you never did this for me. You never came through. I was believing you. And then he presses play on that recorder. And all the doubt that you spoke about that situation. And you said, I can never get ahead. And I got too much month at the end of the money. And every time I try to take one step forward, I get pushed two steps back. And God just plays that recorder and says, that's why. It wasn't my lack of providing for you. It was your words that were hindering you. By your words, you'll be justified. Or by your words, you'll be condemned. Well, if our words are being kept on record and we are going to have to account or explain or stand for what we have said... We need to be speaking in line with the Word of God. Hebrews 4 identifies for us part of the job description of Jesus as our high priest. Do you ever wonder what is Jesus doing? He's our high priest. And what is the high priest in the New Testament receiving from us? What is he receiving? It says here in Hebrews 4 and verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. What does him being high priest have to do with our words? 
This word profession is a word that means confession. It is the word homologia. And it means, it's from two words, homos, which means same, and lego, which means to speak. So when you put these two words together, it means saying the same thing. Let us, since we have a great high priest, let's hold fast, let's be diligent, let's get a grip on this saying the same thing. Hallelujah. Saying the same thing that he says about our life. Speaking about our life in line with what the word has said about our life. Accepting, this is what we're talking about in developing a stronghold of the word. Developing a, and establishing a stronghold of health. A, we got to say the same thing he says about our health. A stronghold of freedom. We've got to say what he says about it. A stronghold of prosperity. We've got to say what God says about it. Because Jesus is our high priest. And the words that we say, he's receiving them. He's receiving them. When you say, I accept Jesus as my Lord, well, that's on record. The enemy can't come and say, Ivy's not saved. Because it's on record. God can press play. And he can replay the day and the, the uh, verbiage of how Ivy gave her life to Jesus Christ. He says, I've got it on record. She has confessed Jesus as her Lord. Amen. It's on record. And so when we did that, Jesus received our words of faith. Jesus received our declaration of faith. And in that receiving, he established it with God. So when you read Psalm 91, anybody ever read Psalm 91 and thought, wait a minute, it just sounded like it changed verbiage here. Psalm 91 starts out saying, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. But then the next verse, it's not me talking anymore. It's verse 3, switched voice. Why? Because I made a declaration that my high priest accepted and now he's telling me what's going to happen because of what I said. Surely he shall deliver you. Well, the I was me in verse 2. I will say of the Lord, and because of what I said, because of my confession of faith, I'm holding fast to that confession of faith. Jesus said, He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. And He begins to talk about all of the protection. He'll cover you with His feathers. Under His wings you'll trust. He goes through all of this pr protection, and then it changes voice again. And God the Father says, because you have put your love on me, because you have set your love on me, therefore shall I deliver you. So we see the activity of a high priest in that. We see that when we make a declaration of faith, Jesus accepts it. If we're making declarations of doubt, he can't work with it. He can't, he can't uh, bring his help to declarations uh, that don't agree with his word. It, it limits and hinders. Remember he said in Malachi chapter 3, your words have been stout against me. If we're speaking words that are contrary to his, then God is limited in our situation. He loves us and he wants to. He, his desire is to help us, but he cannot work against because you've got the authorization. You and I, we are the verbal authorization. So if, if we want God's help, we've got to open up our mouth and agree with Him and say, He is my refuge. My God and Him do I trust. Surely. Hallelujah. And then God is able to receive that. Jesus, our high priest, hold fast. Why does He tell us, hold fast our confession? Because in the middle of a difficult situation... It's, it, it's the nature of, uh, it's the desire of your flesh to talk in line with the situation, to speak in line with the adversity, to say gloom, despair, and agony. How am I ever going to make it? No, no, open up your mouth and in the midst of that adversity begin to declare, I, I believe to receive the goodness of the Lord. God is my refuge. I trust in Him. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. That's the plan of God for us. That's the plan of God, a stronghold of the word. Hallelujah. And so we've got to do that by saying. How do you take God's thoughts? By saying. Take God's thoughts by saying. And when you say it, then, you, uh, then Jesus, your high priest, he is able to bring that into a covenant working and work on our behalf along with the angels and the covenant of God. So this holding fast, this holding fast is a word that means this. In the Vines Concordance or the Vines Dictionary of New Testament Words, it means to be strong, to prevail, to lay or take hold on. To lay, or, to lay hold of or to take hold of uh, something. The Strong's Concordance says to seize or lay hold with the hand. Well, we, we know where our hand is. In our spirit, our hand is our mouth. So we've got to seize it with the mouth. We've got to seize some things with our mouth. We've got to take and bring into our possession with our mouth by speaking the word of God. And when we do, Jesus, the high priest, is able to work with us. Let's look at the, another example of this in Hebrews chapter 10. And I'll read in verse 21. Hebrews 10, 21 says, And having a high priest... Over the house of God. Notice two New Testament admonishments. Two New Testament uh, emphasis for us to recognize he's our high priest. Jesus heard what I said. He heard what I said when I said I will not go under, I'm going over. He heard that. He heard it when I said I'm blessed going in, I'm blessed coming out. He heard it when I said I'm the healed of the Lord. A healing is the children's bread, and I'm eating my bread today. He heard it when I said that, right? I'm holding fast to that. It says, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. There's that confident declaration of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast. The profession, and again, this word profession is uh, confession, homologia. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Without wavering. We've got to hold fast and we've got to be steady. We've got to be continuous. We've got to hold fast to saying the same thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Two New Testament admonishments that are both connected. In both of them it says, because he's our high priest, we've got to maintain our mouth to say in line with his word. Why? Because he's our high priest. Jesus, Jesus is your high priest. Jesus is your high priest. He's, he's my high priest. But... Being my high priest, he can only work with my words if I'm speaking his. If I'm speaking God's word, he can work with it. He said, Jesus said, I only say what my father told me to say. I only say what I've heard my father say. So Jesus developed that discipline and we can develop that discipline. Hebrews 13, and we'll close here. Hebrews 13 I want to look at the latter part of verse 5. The first part of it, he's, he's giving some instruction about their lifestyle. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. I want to see the concept here. Verse 5, he said, For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. Amen. He hath said... So that we can boldly say. That's the reason he said it. 
He said it so that we could say it. He said some things so that we would know how, to, how we need to talk. Because he said, no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. I will boldly say, no evil shall befall me, no plague shall come near my dwelling. Because he hath said, he will never leave me, he'll never forsake me. I can boldly say, the Lord is my help. Because he hath said, I'm the head and not the tail. I can boldly say, thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph. Because he hath said, I need to have the bold declaration in line with what he said because he's my high priest. And my words are on record. This is, this is spiritual maturity, saints. This is spiritual maturity. This is not a toddler Christianity. My words matter. And me saying in the face of, of difficulty, saying in line with what God said, not just a positive statement, but a God statement, that I'm declaring God's outcome without any physical evidence. Isn't that what Abraham had to do? So shall my seed be. So shall my seed be. So shall my seed be. It said, as it was written. Those were the words. So shall thy seed be. Those were the words that established, that Abraham established himself on. So shall my seed be. So he had to boldly walk up to people who knew him as Abram and identify himself differently and call himself something that might have caused them to snicker behind his back. That old man thinks he's going to be the father of many nations. <laughs> but he had to boldly say, because God had already said. Amen? Because God had already said. God has said some things about us. And we need to get bold in saying in line so that our, our high priest can work along those lines. I want to give him plenty to work with in my life. Hallelujah. Local church, national influence. Local church with a national influence. Amen? We are going to do all that God has called us to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your word. And thank you for the privilege of making Jesus Christ our high priest. Father, I pray for the maturity of our church family to walk in that truth in a greater measure. Father, moving beyond positive and negative and moving into creative power that's available through your word. Father, what you spoke to Charles Caps, let's walk that out. Teach us to walk that out. That you desire for your people to create a better life through your creative power in your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I ask for clarity. And I ask for a working knowledge of our words and our high priest. Father, that every person under the sound of my voice, every person feeding on this truth would come to a working knowledge of the words in our mouth and how our high priest corresponds to those words. Father, let this be something that is um, so clear, crystal clear, crystal clear to us so that we can cooperate with you and participate with your plan and be a voice to speak things into your into into existence for you that like Jeremiah father we can set some things up and pull some things down by the words of God in our mouth that we can pull down and cast down things that the enemy has spent years building, but we can, we can speak it 
destroyed in a moment. Plans and schemes that he has spent money and time and effort, but we bring the voice of God's word, giving voice to your declaration, and we undo his plan in a moment, in one utterance, Father. I ask you to cause us to see and to operate in a greater proficiency in this truth. In Jesus' name. Do you agree with that? Amen. We've just touched on something we're going to see expand if we'll take hold of it. Our high priest working with our declaration. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A partnership with heaven. Because we are the authority on the earth. Because we are the ones with the birth certificate. We were born here. We have the legal right to be here. And the the legal right to operate the delegated authority. As the righteousness of God. Amen. Praise God. Stand with me to your feet.